0: Welcome to episode 31 of 10-Minute Tips to Teach Music. Welcome to 10-Minute Tips to Teach Music with Clarissa Custom Music's very own Kerry Lacey. Hi all, welcome to episode 31 of 10-Minute Tips to Teach Music. Today I want to have a quick chat about something called Cycles of Learning. Now you might not have heard of it, um, but in 1967, uh, Kraplus and Thea, I think is how you pronounce it, developed something they called the Learning Cycle. It was originally for a science curriculum improvement study, uh, and it was an inquiry-based teaching approach that had three phases, exploration, uh, concept introduction, and concept application. So the idea was to explore the current situation, introduce the central concept and then apply it to the skill set, Uh, which is an awful lot like music. You know, we teach a concept and then we apply it to our skill set. So since 1967 a lot of the variations of this idea have been developed all with a similar idea, explore before you introduce and then apply. So a popular version of the learning cycle is called the 5e model. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's engage, explore, explain, elaborate, evaluate. So this one adds engage at the beginning and evaluate at the end to bookend the process. And again, a lot like music classes. I mean, we have to engage all of our students from the minute they walk in the door. And if we don't, then we lose them. And if we lose them over a period of time, then we've lost them for the whole year. So um, the first couple of lessons, the first month, setting up a, a, a process or setting up a, an environment is incre- incredibly important in music. So why am I discussing this and what's got to do with music? Well, with the growing changes in technology, content delivery is one area that has had a major overhaul over the years as teachers were always on a hunt for a different way to engage with the students and the content. As a leader of technology in the department I work in, I've tried many different platforms uh, over the last five or six years And I think I'm nearly convinced with some of these platforms. Um, So to help you out, I thought I might talk through how I deliver content to my classes because I think looking at other people's processes and what they do, you might not agree with all of it, but there might be something there that will be of use to you. Um, Over the years, I've tinkered with using paper notebooks and a myriad of tech interventions to empower the process. Um, Evernote, Google Docs, OneNote. Every method's got its benefits and its drawbacks. Um, Sometimes it simplifies some steps in the process, but then it complicates it for the students. So let's be realistic, it's the student that needs to understand and have the confidence. So I think I'm nearly at a point where I seem to be reasonably happy with what's happening. Um, So when I first um, started teaching in my new school, we had Moodle. And whilst that works really well, it was a little bit old and tired looking. So I had the format changed to grid style. So if you use Moodle, see if you can get grid style. And that helped a lot um, because you're able to have these boxes. That's a bit like uh, current websites, although it's still a little stark, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Um, Then I introduced Google Classroom. So when the G Suite apps became available, um, I jumped on Google Classroom. Now, this was a little rough to start, and I wasn't really convinced with the platform for content delivery. So I used it purely as a submission delivery for kids to submit work Um, I met a lot of other people who are really happy with it but I found it was limiting so I've been waiting um, offering advice to Google Classroom and finally a couple of things that I was looking for have now been introduced for example um, they've introduced a classwork tab and they have introduced topics so those two are very important and if you tie that in with Google Sites then you are in a real win you really are So when Google Classroom first came out, the setup was really a stream of consciousness with a bit of social banter thrown in. Then they added the option to create topics which helped to sort the material. So the students could go and click on the topic they were working on and all the posts came up for that topic. Um, They had an About section where you could actually put links, but it didn't really make much sense to the students. Why are we going to the About section for content? That didn't make any sense. So... I've put some graphics on the podcast support material. So if you go to ClarissaCustomMusic.com.au, that's ClarissaCustomMusic.com.au, K-L-E-R-R-I-S-A, you'll see a post for episode 31, and it's got all the graphics that I'm about to talk about. So in the graphic, the first graphic I show, um, I've just got a picture of... um, what it used to look like without the classwork tab and now what it looks like with the classwork tab and the fact that you can find that in the bottom left-hand corner. There's a grey question mark. You just click on that and it asks you, do you want to add a classwork page? Be warned, though. When you do do that, your stuff will disappear. So things will move into the classwork tab or move to a different post or shift the way it's gone. So just be warned, okay, if you do flip something that you've already been working on. Um The next screen I show is actually a snapshot of what it looks like now. So there's an option to, used to have an option to add assignment questions and reuse a post. Well now you have material which is a fabulous addition. Um, It's a real game changer. With the topics you can now add material in the classwork tab which makes the content delivery much more streamlined. So when you go to look at the graphic I've got score reading title, I've got an assessment task title, then I've got a missed lessons title. This comes from my senior classes. Ah, um, uh, my senior classes usually someone's away uh, in my class, most days. So I've decided that I'm just going to record what goes on in each classes in each class and put it up on Google classroom under missed lessons. So we have the date and what they were studying and and everything, and I take snapshots from the board, uh, anything that I talk about, anything I'm presenting, I'll video or I'll audio record. And then the kids have got it there if they're away, which is quite useful. Um, Now, I've teamed up the use of Google Classroom now with the Google Sites. Now, the old Google Sites was really quite uninspiring. And there's a little graphic showing you what it looks like. But the new sites are much more engaging. um, And they integrate with the G Suite really well with Google. So I put a sample of my gaming website that I set up for the Year 8 classes. And as I said, the integration of the apps is quite efficient. Um, Starting with the platform, you can see there are a number of layouts and options. You can insert pages, embed video from a number of sources. You can add images, text boxes, files from Google Drive, forms, all sorts of things. And I've just popped some little graphics in to show you what it looks like. Um, Finding Google Sites is really simple. When you go to Google Drive and you click the New button, you normally get Google Docs, Google Sheets and Google Slides. They're usually the only three that come up. And then the next thing underneath says More. Well, if you click more, you'll get Google Forms, Drawings, Maps and Google Sites. So it's the new Google Sites you want. When you set up the websites for the um, unit of work, I then followed the learning cycle idea. I'd introduce the unit background and I'd follow that by the skill set in stages. For the gaming website, I made it as levels. No surprise there, right? Each level had different activities, which was basically the assessment scaffolded into sections. So um, this not only helped the kids who were away, but it also helped the ones that needed to be differentiated for because they could do it in small pieces, which makes it a lot easier. So I've put some samples from the gaming website so you can see what it looks like. It's very colourful and very engaging for the students. Now, the last little piece of strategy that I engaged in this process to make things more attractive to the students and to make learning a little bit more... Um, concrete, I guess, is a place called PlayPosit. That's P-L-A-Y-P-O-S-I-T. Now, it's an online location where you can add video from most places. Um, Video can come from YouTube, Vimeo. You can upload your own videos. So lots of locations. It's free. There is a paid option, but I haven't had to use it yet. So this is a good thing. It doesn't sound terribly exciting, however, the site gives you the option to add questions during the video. And so that is fabulous. And what's even better is the video won't continue playing until the student has answered the question. So, which is what great. I put a little graphic in there showing you the sorts of things that you can put up. You can put up multiple choice free response, um, polling surveys, a check all, fill in the blank, uh, a discussion forum can go in there, a few other things. Um, Just be warned, if you do put a YouTube link in though and your students don't have access to YouTube at school, they won't be able to see anything. So just be be aware of that. That's a bit of a trick for young players. Now, there's plenty of pre-made bulbs that people have created already um, and the bulbs is what they call videos with questions um, and the thing I think I'm most impressed with is the feedback option so when you actually click on the statistics next to the uh, video you've created you can create classes so you could create a class platform the students can join the class and then you can shoot the video through to them and then all the students names come up and their statistics come up so you can see out of uh, this particular graphic I'm looking at, it's got 12 students in it. For example, it tells me how many students got each question correct, how many got it incorrect. It tells me how many finished it. And then it breaks it down individually to what the students did. So I'm looking at three student samples here. One student only did 22% of the questions. Another one did 78. Another one did 89. Um, Sorry, uh, pardon me. Um, One group got 22% right. 78% and 89%. And it can tell you how long they actually stayed there. They have to pause the videos sometimes to, or the videos paused, how long it took them to actually answer the next question. So it's a really good tool for understanding how the students are engaging in the video materials, um, how they uh, are processing the information. Uh, and it really ch- is a, a game changer to the worksheet that you normally give for kids to watch the video because let's be realistic they don't actually watch the video they just wait for the answers to the questions they wait for the clue well this one they have to have had watched the video and I've experienced my students they watch the video get to the question and they go I don't know the answer to that because I wasn't really paying attention then they have to go back and watch it again and so it really fixes that sort of problem of those students that are just looking for the key phrases or the Regurgitation materials. So, um, I do like PlayPosit a lot. So, have that a go, give that a go in classes as well. I do find that very useful. Great for homework, great activity for homework. Um, so, there's just a few ideas on how to create more engaging content. Um, and the delivery of such content to your students don't forget again if you've got any questions or you've got some problems you need troubleshooting or you want to just have a chat um, email me at kerry at kerrylacy.com.au that's k-e-r-r-i lacy l-a-c-e-y dot com.au and um and I'll be more than happy to help out until next time have a lovely afternoon and we'll catch you next time on podcast 10 minute tips to teach music You've been listening to 10 Minute Tips to Teach Music with Clarissa Custom Music's Kerry Lacy.